Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is the message from Sunday morning, August 6th, 2023, when we were joined by our very dear friend and special guest, Pastor Derek Hammond from Oak Valley Baptist Church here in Oak Ridge. Pastor Hammond's been with Oak Valley now for nine years. He was a chemical engineer before that, has been involved in all kinds of church business administration, all kinds of teaching and preaching all over the place, has felt the call to ministry and has been in our community. Community, not only as a preacher, but also on the city council of Oak Ridge, and joined us this past Sunday to bring us a beautiful word and encourage us in the Lord from the book of Acts in chapter 3. I know you're going to love it. Enjoy today's message from Pastor Derek Hammond. Amen. Let's church say amen. Amen, amen again. It is indeed a blessing to be in the house of the Lord uh, yet one more time, especially uh, this house. And we thank and praise God. Certainly, if you don't mind, let's pause. And if you don't mind, honor your pastor with me, Pastor Tom. Amen. On his birthday. By honor, I mean clap your hands. Amen. Amen. Clap like you like him and love him. Amen. 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 And also, please, if you don't mind, honor God for Brother Lee, younger pastor. Let's celebrate him as well. Amen. We thank God and their beautiful families. We appreciate that. It's indeed a privilege. Uh, to be with you uh, on today. I'm glad uh, you go ahead and gave them the, the heads up because I'm going to ask you now to go ahead and let's give God a hand clap of praise on this morning. Let's celebrate him like he's been good to you. Let's celebrate him like you knew him before you got here. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and also let you know up front that as a Baptist preacher, I'm participatory. Amen. This is not why I'm sitting up addition and giving. I don't know how you normally roll, but on today, the expectation is that you will participate with me. If there's something I say that moves your heart and moves your spirit, feel free to say amen, pastor. Feel free to put your hands together and stand on your feet because even the preaching moment is a moment of worship. Amen. Every moment in this space is a moment of worship. And so I invite you to do that as well. Certainly also want to acknowledge Deacon Johnson in the back. Amen. The chair of deacons who's here with me on today. So with that uh, being said, I won't tarry uh, long. Uh, there's a word from the Lord, I believe. This has been on my spirit for a few weeks, uh, a number of different places. Acts chapter 3. That's the third chapter of Acts. Um, verses 1 through 8 is uh, what we'll be reading. That's Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Give an opportunity to get there. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. <laughs> Reading from the New King James Version, it reads as follows. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. 
And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. I'm going to use for a subject in our brief time together on this morning, when the saints go to worship. When the saints go to worship. So I make the point in our time together that not everybody who gets up on Sunday morning goes to worship. Some folk go to church. <laughs> and other folk go to worship. And the point that I like to make is that there's something special about uh, something special that happens in a church when the saints who enter came to worship, not just go to church. Heads about eyes are closed. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth, Father God. We thank you for this humbling and undeserved privilege to enter into your word and proclaim, Lord God, is truth that by the power of preached, of your preached and proclaimed holy word, that your Holy Spirit might bring revelation as to how we, through the obedience to your word, might be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Allow me, Father God, to hide behind the shadow of this, your cross, that these your people will see, hear, and experience all of you, Lord God, such that you and you alone are glorified. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It is in your son, Jesus, who indeed is the Christ's name we pray. We say together, amen, amen, amen. The book of Acts has been called by some the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Um, because like the gospels of, whereas the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John highlight how Jesus Christ is the one who establishes the church. The book of Acts picks up with the birth of the church having been established, incubated in the womb of time during Jesus' time here on earth, now gives birth to the church in the Gospel of Acts. And we move from an establishing to an expansion. And so the book of Acts chronicles how by way of the Holy Spirit, this, this, the kingdom of God, this, this faith in Jesus Christ and who he is expands from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and even to all the ends of the earth. 
Now it's not, it's, it's, it's significant, it's no coincidence that when the book of Acts in its narrative shifts from the establishing of the church that we see on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming down and the, uh, the Holy Spirit adding and God adding to the church daily in chapter two, it's no coincidence that when we see a transition from the establishing of the church in chapter two to the expansion of the church in chapter three, that the first miracle, the first healing that we see occurs outside the temple. Which suggests a couple of things. One, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of his salvation was never meant to be inclusive where you had to come to church to get it. Amen, somebody. That also suggests that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel is not manifested in so much as about, it's not so much about the building as, as it is about the believers who are entering the building. It, it, the, 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 the power of the gospel is not so much found in a place, but in the people who gather in that place because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name there I will be in the midst of them and so when we see this shift from establishing to expansion we also see a shift from the significance of places to the significance of people and the story presents a unique picture, a unique portrait of what happens when believers gather in his name. You got Peter and John, they're, they're on their way, the Bible says they're on their way to temple for, for worship. We recognize that the Bible, they are going to pray, but prayer is a form of worship. And so they're on their way to worship in the temple when they come across this lame man who's on the side of the pathway en route to the temple. And, and what's interesting about this lame man is that I would submit to you that he really, in many ways, represents most folk who attend church today. I know we read ourselves into Peter and John, but I would suggest that most of us, uh, if we were to do an honest assessment of our engagement of the temple on Sunday morning, we probably have to admit that we're probably more like the lame man than like Peter and John, at least in a couple of ways. The first way that I would submit that most of us are probably more like the lame man sitting up in church is that the lame man came to church not for what he could give, but for what he could get. Okay. The Bible says that he woke up and he came to the temple specifically to ask alms of the folk who were on their way into the temple. And I would submit to you that we got a whole lot of folk who get up on Sunday morning and they aren't going to church for what they can give. They're going to church for what they can get. And so you walk through the doors expecting to get a good word from the Lord. You come through the doors expecting to get a good praise and worship service. You come to a, you come in and you expect to get some good, solid fellowship. And if we don't get those things, these same folk will go somewhere else looking for them and if somebody asks them why they're at another church and the other well they didn't give me the things that I was expecting 
Now, if that ain't bad enough, we as church leaders have moved to the position where we're catering to these kind of folk. <laughs> where, where, where we want you to get the help with the alms that you need. We want you to feel good when you leave. And so we want to help with your emotional alms that you show up when people show up and they want to feel good when they leave the church. We want to help with your psychological alms. You came in feeling sad and depressed, worrying about your issues and your concerns. And what we in the church and church leaders want to do is we want to make sure you feel good about yourself when you leave the church. Not that you're a wretched sinner who is in need of grace. Now, we ain't going to touch on that. We ain't going to worry about that. We want to talk about how you are a glorious child of God. You're the head and not the tail. You're the front and not the back. And so we as church leaders, we embrace these folk because we don't, we don't want them to go. So not only do most folk get up and show up and press their way to church, he was faithful, but he was only going because of what he could get. But not only is he like most of us in that sense, but also, he went faithfully year after year after year. Uh, but what we note is that he was able to attend the worship service, but could never have a worship experience because he showed up and was outside the temple. And so he pressed his way to the temple just like everybody else, pressed his way to the church, just like everybody else. But, but, when, but when he got to the church, when he got to the temple, when he got to the worship service, because he was lame, he could not have the same worship experience that everybody else had when they showed up who were whole and could enter into the place. And what that suggests, a, a couple of things. One, it's possible to show up to the worship service without ever having a worship experience. Just because you pressed your way into a worship service does not mean that you've had a worship experience. And, and the thing about it is the reason why he could not have a worship experience is because he was lame. He pressed his way, but when he got to the church, the fact that he was lame kept him from entering into worship of our sovereign God in spirit and in truth. And I would submit to you that there are a lot of folk who press their way to the worship service, but because in some shape, form, or fashion, they are spiritually, emotionally, mentally lame, they are unable to have a worship Experience. Some folks are lame in the spirit because we show up with a spirit of bitterness, with a spirit of unforgiveness, with a spirit of hatred. Some of us, it doesn't even have to be that negative. Some of us show up with a spirit of discouragement. Some of us show up with a spirit of disheartenment. We're disillusioned by something we've got going on in our homes or by something we've got going on in our lives. And because we show up spiritually lame because of the bitterness, because of the disappointment, because of the hurt, we aren't able to enter into worship that enables us to lift up holy hands and spirit and truth and praise him with the freedom that comes with the spirit of God. For the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we show up but aren't able to worship because we're spiritually lame. But not only are folks lame in the spirit, many folks show up and worship service, never enter into, uh, never have a worship experience because not just lame in the spirit, but lame in truth. 
But they spent all week on Facebook <laughs> and TikTok and all of these different avenues that are presenting all kinds of truths that run counter to the word of God. And so when we get up and we preach about a sovereign and a holy God who has boundaries about what you can and cannot do, that runs counter to folk who say that you ought to be able to do just whatever you want to do. When we serve and preach about a holy and a righteous God and him and in him is where we should find our identity, that runs counter to a culture that says you can identify with whatever you want. And if you identify with something that's what you become and so because we are wrestling and lame with our understanding of the truth of God's word we aren't able to enter into a worship experience that acknowledges him for who he is and the result is that we've got folk all over the community all over the nation all over the state and all over this world who will say I am a Christian who will say I am a faithful Christian but when they get up on Sunday morning they are pressing their way to church with without ever having a worship experience. Which is why I would also submit that many churches are powerless today. I would also submit that's why so many folk are on the streets and on the corners unimpacted, untouched, unfazed by the churches that are all around in the community. I believe that's why so many demons are running around free in our homes and in our families and in our friends and all of these different places because the church is gathering and we're coming to worship service, but we aren't having a worship experience. And sad to say, we church leaders, we lean into that too. We spend all our time focusing on what does the worship service look like without ever prayerfully processing. Are our people having a worship experience? Are they moved not by the music, but by the God that we're singing about? Are they touched not by the words of the prayer, but by the nature and the character of the one to whom we are praying? We've gotten lost in that space. And so what we end up doing now is producing churches that are able to help people, but not heal people. And the Bible says that we are to be in the healing business, not in the helping business. Ah, oh, but Peter and John show up to church and they give us a counter example to what most of us have become used to and conditioned to. Not, not here at Christ Community Church, but and, and all these other places. <laughs> all these other folks that call themselves a church. Y'all got it right, though. Y'all good. Good job, Pastor Tom. Good job. <laughs> Amen. So I ain't talking about you all. But be ready to tell your friends what Pastor Hammond said <laughs> on Sunday morning. Amen. So, so with that being said, though, Peter and John gives us an alternative to the kind of church that all these other folk have gotten used to and accustomed to because they aren't showing up because of what they can get. They're showing up because of what they already have. 
See, they already have a relationship with God. And so when they woke up, they already had a praise on their lips. When they got up, they already had a song on their heart. When they got up, I'm sure they were singing some of the psalms. You know what? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so they showed up not because of what they could get, but because of what they already have. And my brothers and sisters, I submit to you that a saint is going to worship and not church when you woke up with your mind stayed on Jesus when you woke up and knew that it was the Lord who protected you and kept you through the night when you woke up and said if it had not been for the Lord who was with me I don't know where I would be when you know that you have a relationship with God that has kept you and covered you then you wake up ready to do in public what you've been doing all week in private I'm not showing up on Sunday morning to do something I ain't been doing all week long I'm showing up to do with you what you ain't seen me doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You just see me doing it on Sunday morning. And so they get up not because of what they can get, but because of what they already have. And my brothers and sisters, I would encourage you when you get up, Wake up with a song on your heart. Wake up with a, 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 an attitude that says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Walk out your worship every single day. And when you get up on Sunday morning, you can't wait to get up into the house of the Lord. But, but when we've got folk who are showing up because of what they can bring and because of what they have and not because of what they get, there are a couple of things that we see happen play out in this text. Uh, uh, the first thing that we see plays out and the first thing that begins to happen when saints go to worship and don't just get up and go to church is that people are seen. People are seen. The Bible says that this lame man went to the gate called Beautiful at three o'clock in the afternoon, which is the hour of prayer. So he went to the most populated gate at the most populated time so that he could get alms. Now the Bible says that only Peter and John actually stopped when he asked them for alms, which suggests that there were a whole lot of people who passed them by. And so the question then becomes, how can so many people pass by a lame man? How can so many people walk by someone who clearly has a need and is right there beside them when Peter and John stop? What is it that made Peter and John stop whereby everybody else passed them by? I would submit to you, it's because when they got to the lame man, they saw a person and not a parishioner. Or in other words, they did not allow themselves to label the man in such a way that made them comfortable with passing him by. See, people ask all of the time, how can there be so much hatred in this country? How can there be so much divisiveness? How can our community break down the way that it is? I submit to you on this morning that the reason why we are able to pass by one another without concern for needs, the reason why we're able to pass by one another and not only not help you, but look at you and tune your face up and talk about how you got the way you are, the reason why we are able to do it is because we are labeling one another in ways that make us comfortable 
comfortable with passing them by and not meeting their needs. Look at any channel. You will see a channel full of labels. Look at any news story. You see a news story full of labels. And the minute you start seeing those labels, your blood pressure start rising, you start getting frustrated, and you start talking about the other side or them folk or they, whoever they are, without realizing that it is the very labeling itself that enables you to desensitize or not care about what somebody else is going through. It's hard for me to care about you if I think you're illegal. It, it, it's, it's hard for me to care about you if I think you are lost, if you're left, if you're right, if you're Democrat, if you're Republican. At Oak Valley, we had a situation of a number of our youth. We had youth that were coming in off the streets. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? And that, that was supposed to be. And so we started having this strange occurrence. People actually started showing up uh, uh, off the streets. And we had our children that were actually showing up for a Bible study on Wednesday night. And But when they showed up, they didn't show up with all of the, the church etiquettes. And all of the things you're supposed to do in church. They didn't get the memo that talks about how you're supposed to talk to elders and how you're supposed to engage people. They didn't get all of those memos. And they showed up. And what I had was elders and folk who looked at one, and I'll call it one in particular. I won't call the name out, uh, but I'll reference the situation. She looked and said, those are nothing but animals coming through here. And... Folks were shocked around her and was like, oh my gosh. And then she went on to frown and talk about how we shouldn't be putting up with this and how we shouldn't be putting up with that without realizing that it was her having labeled them as animals that then made her comfortable with talking about all of the things that should be done that you would never say do with a person. When we come to church on Sunday morning, we pass each other by. Again, not here at Christ Community Church, amen. <laughs> Y'all are quite welcoming, I love you and I appreciate you, but all these other churches around here, <laughs> you walk and people can be broken, hurting, in need, and pass by. And it's a natural phenomenon. I mean, when you think about it, if you go to the grocery store, you ain't concerned about whether or not the person around you got enough money because you see shoppers and not people. When you get on an airplane, you ain't trying to get on there and talk to folk and try to meet them and see where they're coming from and get their life story and wonder if there's anything they need prayer about and all those kind of things because you don't, you don't see people. You see passengers on a plane. And so when we come to church, we find ourselves not concerned about other people, not wondering. I just want you to be happy because if you're happy, then that, that ain't got to do nothing uh, to you. That, that just makes it easy. So we want people to be happy. So we ask how you're doing, but I'm just really waiting on you to say everything's good. You're blessed and highly favored in the Lord. And so that we can keep on going and we can clap hands and keep on going. But the reality is some folks showed up broken. Some folks showed up lame. Some folks showed up hurting. We don't know what people had to press through to come into our way. And there's something about spending time with God 
God at the house before you get to worship. There's something about spending time with God that makes you realize that, you know what? I'm just a sinner who's saved by grace. There is one label that all of us wear, and that is a sinner. But I thank God that the Bible says that when we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us that we might have life and might have life more effectively. So there's something about worshiping with God at home that brings you to the church looking for people and not just parishioners, looking for people and not just folk who happen to be in the same place that you are. And so because they spent time in worship, people are seen and they stop. And there's something about seeing a person that moves you to want to meet the need, even if you don't want to. One of the worst things that happen is when I be chilling and sitting in the back and uh, one of them St. Jude commercials come on. <laughs> and so I put that child up on the screen. I'm like, oh, I can't change the channel because I feel bad. But I can't look at this sad face on the screen. And so I start squirming and finally I break out my wallet. And I'm, Let me just give it to the people so I can then go to bed or move on or do whatever else I'm wanting to do. But my point is what they do in those commercials, what they do in those spaces, and they even do it for animals. Yeah, animals on there looking like people and all sad and all these kind of things. And, and so what they do, though, is what they're doing is they're removing the labels. So that when you see this child, when you see this animal, you don't care where they come from. You don't care who their parents are. You don't care where they stay. You don't care any of those things. All you see is a person. And the Holy Spirit has a way of doing that even when you don't want him to do it. And so you show up to church looking for people, not just parishioners. That's the first thing that happens when saints go to worship and they're in a church. But not just do we see people are seen, uh, but problems are solved. The Bible says that when they look at the man and they stop, and then what the, the man does is he says, hey, uh, give him alms. And Peter looks at him and Peter says, gold and silver have I none, but such as I have, what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So in other words, what Peter does is he addresses, he bypasses the issue and speak to the problem. Make no mistake about it, the man had issues. <laughs> Uh, he, 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 he was lame, so he couldn't get to church. He needed people to carry him. He probably was intrusive. He didn't get all in your way and was shouting at you, trying to talk about how he needed help. He probably had all kinds of issues, not somebody you wanted to look forward to seeing on Sunday morning in your way to uh, church. But while he had all kinds of issues, we want to make no mistake about it. He had one problem, and the problem was that he was lame. Had he not been lame, he would not have had all of those issues. And Peter, when he saw clearly that the man had issues, chose to bypass the issue and speak to the real problem. But what we often want to do when you just show up to church, church specializes in dealing with issues without necessarily addressing the real problem. My brothers and sisters, our children have all kinds of issues mental issues, familiar issues, and we, we, we talk about those, we identify those, but make no mistake about it, the problem is that in many, in most cases, adults who are responsible for those children have abdicated that responsibility. Our children have issues, 
But when I was growing up, it was not just on my parents to take care of me. I had a whole community that took care of me. I might end up at anybody's house. And whoever's house I was at, that's where I ate that evening. That's where I ate that afternoon. And sometimes that's just where I spent the night at. I had a whole community that took care of me. But right now we've got communities, we've got families, we've got adults, we've got churches who have abdicated their responsibility for our children. That's the problem. And so it's easy for us to come up with programs to help them with their mental health. It's easy to come up with different things to help them. And those are good. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to suggest we don't need those things. But we don't want to assume or believe that addressing someone's issue is going to resolve the problem. Because the danger of resolving an issue without dealing with the problem is that the issue comes back. The man had to come back the next day. And as long as they were addressing the issue, the man had to keep coming back. It's not enough, my brothers and sisters, for us to deal with issues and not problems. But when you show up and when you have saints who are showing up for worship, you don't mind dealing with the problem because you know that there is nothing too hard for the God that you serve. You know that you serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly far more than you could ever ask or think. And so you don't mind engaging problems when you are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You know the difference between an issue and a problem? I found this out uh, when I was studying politics. I was like, I didn't even realize that there was a fundamental difference between issues and problems. And the short answer so we can keep on going and close this thing out for the day. I don't know how long y'all used to sit in here, so I'm going to start moving a little fast. If you hear me start talking, then uh, it ain't no response to you. Y'all might be ready to go, but I'm going to start winding this thing down here in just a minute. But with that being said, though, the difference between an issue and a problem is that an issue has a solution you just got to implement it a problem is a situation that had you don't even know what the solution is and so it's easy to deal with an issue because the thought is let us help you the the man was uh, broke yeah there's a solution let's get you to the the place so the people can give you arms so at least you won't be broke and so issues have solutions, and so it's easy to jump into that. Problems don't. You show up and the problem is that he's lame. You can't do nothing with that. And in many cases, we've got problems that we avoid because we don't know what to do with them. Many folks avoid problems in marriages and homes because they don't even know what to do with them. Many folks bypass problems with their children because they don't know what to do with them. And so there's something about a problem that makes you feel helpless that prompts you to simply focus on the issues. But when you are showing up to worship, when you worship God, you know that there is no problem that's too hard for God to solve. You know that I serve a God who can make the mountains low and make the valleys high. I serve a God who can stop the sun in the middle of the sky if that's what he needs to do. And so when I show up, I can speak to the problem knowing that I am speaking in the authority of God and the God I serve can do just what he said. And he said that we can speak a word of faith. If we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can speak to a mountain, say remove hence to yonder place and it shall be removed. 
And so because believers show up and speak to problems and say, you know what, my friend, I don't know what the answer to your problem is. But what I do know is that there is a God who knew what you were going to run into before you ever ran into it. I don't have an answer for you, but I know who does. I don't know what your tomorrow holds, but I know who holds your tomorrow. And so if we just put our trust in him the same way folks have done down through the thousands of years, he ain't never let anybody else fail. I suspect he won't let us fail either. He ain't never let anybody else fall. I suspect you won't fall either. He has not let anybody else down, so I suspect he won't let you go either. So people are seen, problems are solved, and lastly, purposes are secured. When saints show up to worship, purposes are secured and fulfilled. The lame man gets up leaping, praising God. He goes into the temple. The Bible says he's leaping and praising God. And what other people see is they're amazed. And Peter then takes the opportunity to start talking about Jesus Christ. And so what we find is that the purpose for any problem on the backside of the problem is preparatory for the testimony that you will have on the other side. When I was coming up, but folks back in the day would say every test results in a testimony. And every mess results in a message. And that message is about Jesus Christ, the one who hung, bled, and died, and who saved. Every one of us has an opportunity over and over and over again on the backside of our healing, on the backside of our deliverance, to talk about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And therein lies the purpose. But, but I think while the, the, the leaping of the lame man led to other people believing in God and other people appreciating God and praising God in this proclamation, uh, I, I believe there's a part of that story that's missed. And I'm going to close on this particular part of the story because I think that's the real underlying purpose of our healing and our deliverance. And that is this. Uh, I, I believe that before the man got to leaping on his feet, he began leaping in his heart. See, I often teach and tell folks, you insert yourself into the text and feel and experience what the folks are feeling and experiences. And there are times when God came by my way when I was lame on the side of the road and he spoke life into me and I got up and I went into a worship experience and I leaped and I praised God and folks said, man, how did you get healed? How did you get delivered? And I was able to talk about Jesus. But in a very real way, there was this point between my lameness and my leaping where I experienced Jesus Christ and in that moment it did not matter if I started leaping or not. If he had left me on the mat I would have been just as happy as to experience Jesus Christ in that particular moment. There is a relationship with God. There is a moment that you can have with God that you come to realize Lord even if you don't heal me, even if you don't deliver me, even if you don't set me free then I'm just as good where I am as long as I know you are with me as long as I know you are holding me, as long as I know you are keeping me, Lord, I will be okay. That, that's, 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 the, that's the song of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were at the fiery furnace. And they said, you know what? Even if my God, I believe he will heal me. I believe God will deliver me. But even if he does not, I know that he is able to do so if he so choose. And there's something about walking with God in this space that gets you enabled to 
praise. That's also what we see with Job, who after he lost everything he had, looked and said, you know what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. My praise of God is not a function of whether or not he heals me. My praise of God is not a function of whether or not I'm set free. My praise of God is not a function of whether or not the storm goes away. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because at the end of the day, my story is not about how I was once lame, but now I am leaping. At the end of the day, my story is about a man named Jesus who was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. Don't get it twisted. I am standing up here, even right now, preaching. I wore my good suit for you all today. Amen. I wore my good shoes for y'all today. But make no mistake about it. My story is not about Derek Hammond. Make no mistake about it. My story is not about how I came from Birmingham, how I went to Auburn, how I went to Sanford, how I went to Michigan, how I went to uh, Washington, D.C. My story is about a man named Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who was raised in Nazareth. My story is about how a man went through the streets, making the lame to walk and the blind to see. My story is about a man who was able to heal the sick, raise the dead, and make the storms and the seas sit still. My story is about a man who was betrayed right outside of Gethsemane. My story is about a man who was led from judgment hall to judgment hall, who was innocent but yet tried and found guilty of crimes that he had not committed. My story is about a man who allowed them to put a crown of thorns on his head and press them to the blood came trickling down through his eyes. My story is about a man who allowed them to whip him across his back over and over and over again. My story is about a man who allowed them to put a tattered robe on him and make fun of him as the king of the Jews. My story is about a man who had to carry his own cross up a hill called Calvary. My story is about a man who allowed them to hang him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head, but then he died. But I thank God. See, who's in the Baptist church? We be shouting right now. Amen. I thank God right now that the story doesn't end right there. Is there anybody in here who can thank God that the story doesn't end right there? I'm so glad I can report to you that early that third day morning, he got up. Without that story, my pastor, you said when I was growing up, he didn't just say early that third day morning. He would say early that third day morning. He got up with all power in his hands that we might have life and that we might have life abundantly. And that's why now my story is that can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. This is the word of the Lord. I forgot how we close it out. <laughs> he told me. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so if you don't mind bowing and praying with me, and this is my prayer as we depart from this place. Be a saint who's going to worship, not just getting up 
going to church so that people will be seen, problems will be solved, and purposes will be secured. Heads about eyes are closed. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth. Father God, we thank you so much for the power of your holy and preached word. May the seeds that have been sown, Lord God, find fertile ground and these the heart of your people that we might be reminded that all of us have a story of how we were lame, but by your grace, you spoke to the problem that we could not solve and gave us strength in our ankles and bones and moved upon our hearts that we might have a praise upon our lips and upon our hearts, Lord God, so that others who are lame may be healed. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 I want to pour out my heart. I want to risk it all. No holding back from the start. I'm not afraid to fall. You fill my life with love. The way you care for me. I set my heart above and give you everything. I want to love you, Lord. I want to feel it. I want to say the words, live it and breathe it. I want to love you, Lord. I want to feel it. I want to say the words. Give my life up.